welcome back to Bible Stories for Heathen Children. I'm Robbie. My kids aren't joining me this week, so it's just me again. I want to give a quick shout out to my newest patron on Patreon, Kristen. Thank you for supporting my podcast. I really appreciate all my patrons. It's December now, but the Christmas story is going to have to wait for now. I have some other babies to talk about. Today, I'm going to tell the story, well, a story, of a complicated family. It's from the book of Genesis, which means origin. The story of God making the world in seven days was in Genesis and explained the origin of the planet. The story of Adam and Eve was in Genesis and told the origin of humans. Genesis has a lot of origin stories. Today I'm telling a small part of the story that tells the origin of the people of Israel. This one was requested by one of my patrons on Patreon. Once upon a time, there was a man called Abram. Abram was supposed to be the father of a huge nation. That'd be Israel, although he didn't know the name yet. He had followed a call from the God that called himself the Lord to leave his homeland and find a new one and have children who would eventually become a great nation that followed God. That was the promise from God, and that's why he left his homeland with his wife Sarai and a whole retinue of servants, slaves, and some extended family. He left to find a new land that his offspring would live in, eventually. God made him a promise, and he believed it, and so he left. But Abram and his wife Sarai had no children. This poses a bit of a difficulty if you're planning to start a nation from having kids that will have kids that will have kids, etc., etc. And he was 75 years old. That's kind of old to have children if you don't already have any. Well, he did a lot of things. There's a lot of stories about Abram. Some of the things he did were cowardly and unscrupulous. Others were brave and loyal. And maybe someday I'll tell some of Abram's other stories. And uh, time continued to pass, and he kept getting older. In the book of Genesis, in the very earliest stories, people are said to have lived hundreds of years. But by the time Abram came around, 75 was considered old like it is now. People usually live to be around 120 at maximum. Well, he moved to the land called Canaan, that in other stories would be called the Promised Land, because God promised Abram his family would get it eventually. Abram lived there, but still had no children. God promised him again that he'd have a great reward for following God. But Abram is um, not really sure. He's like, God, what is this reward from you worth to me? Because I'm old, I'm going to die soon, and my heir is just some guy who lives with me. Because um, they've got like all kinds of servants and stuff. It's not just Abram and Sarai. There's like a whole bunch of people. So Abram's like, what? Uh, do you want me to just do everything you ask just so this other guy who's not related to me can inherit all these blessings? God promise him, promises him that he'd have an heir that's actually related to him. Look at the sky and count the stars, if you even can, God tells him. That's how many offspring you'll have. Not, not kids, but, you know, kids, kids, and their kids, etc., etc. Um, it wasn't like the exact number of stars, just the idea of too many to count. And that was the promise. And when God said that, Abraham believed it. And God was like, good man. Actually, the Bible says God credited it to him as righteousness. Righteousness is a concept that matters a lot in the Bible. Basically, though, it means being a good person as far as what God considers a good person. But Abram's wife, Sarai, had not had any children at all. So she's like, um, God made this promise to you that you'd have an heir, a son. So why don't you take my slave girl who serves me, Hagar, and marry her also? Sometimes men married like a lot of women. And see if you can get her pregnant, and then maybe I'll get a son that way, because Sarai was pretty old by now also. So Sarai gave Hagar to Abram. Hagar, she didn't really get a say in this. They probably didn't care. 
whether whether she wanted to serve Sarai, they didn't care whether or not Hagar wanted to marry an 86-year-old man and get pregnant. Because um, that's how old he was by this time, Abram's 86. Uh, they didn't really care if she wanted to be part of a story where she's going to be treated like an object or a prop and not an actual character or person. But anyways, uh, Abram marries her, Abram gets her pregnant, and when she realized she was going to have a baby, when she realized she'd given birth to a baby to fulfill this whole grand promise from God, she felt really important. Um, apparently she felt more important than Sarai, her mistress, her owner, for once. Well, Sarai did not like that. She felt Hagar was looking down at her, and she felt that her suffering, Sarai's suffering, that is, that a slave thought she was better than her, was just so great, and she couldn't bear it. I mean, she was also suffering because she wanted a baby so bad and couldn't have one. But uh, at this point, she says it's, the thing she's really upset about at this point, what it says in the text is that, is that, Hagar, you know, apparently, Sarai thinks Hagar thinks she's better than her. So she complains to Abram, who says, well, you know, she's your slave, and she, he, he gives Hagar back to Sarai, and Sarai mistreats her so badly that she ran away into the wilderness. Like, Sarai was so bad to her, she hurt her and mistreated her so much that she thought it'd be better, that Hagar thought it'd be better to run away into the wilderness and just hope she could survive. So there she is in the wilderness, and the angel of the Lord, that's like a spokesangel for God, found Hagar sitting by a spring of water in the wilderness, and he said, Hagar, slave owned by Sarai, where have you come from, and where are you going? And then something happens. In this book, the Bible, where so often women aren't named, the slave woman gets to speak to an angel of God, this small character with no agency or control over her life at all, gets words in a thousand-year-old book. I'm running away from my mistress Sarai, she tells the angel of the Lord. Well, you know, as great literary monologues go, that might be underwhelming. But that's all she gets right now. Then the angel of the Lord does something that has always made me really, really angry. He tells her to go back and let Sarai mistreat her. Go back to being a slave. Go back to not even owning yourself. He does give her one thing, though, a promise. Not for her, though, for her son. The angel tells her, that her baby that she's pregnant with will be a son, and her son will be the father of a whole nation of people. But he does call the baby your son, not Sarai's son, not even Abram's son, but Hagar's son. Hagar gets a son, and she's supposed to name him Ishmael, which means God will hear, because the angel tells her God has heard her crying out from her suffering. God heard Hagar's cries about her suffering. Sarah's suffering is not mentioned here, FYI. Then Hagar does something that I find really interesting. She names the God who spoke to her. She calls him the God who sees, because she said, have I really seen here the one who sees me? And there's something so strong about that. She names God, and she names the spring where she was sitting too, a well of the living one who sees me. The me there is Hagar, the one who sees Hagar. How many people have seen Hagar anyways, and not just seen something or, or someone they could use? It means so much to her that she names this God that, the one who sees me. Do you know who gets to name in Genesis? God gets to name. God names things. God names people. God renames people. In fact, you'll see God renaming people later in the story. Adam got to name, parents get to name, and Hagar gets to name God. The slave woman who God told, told to go back so she could be abused by Sarai again 
That woman, Hagar, gets to name God. So I have mixed feelings about this bit. I mean, she gets told to go home, but she does start to get a little bit... She gets to own a little bit of the story, you know? And that's exciting. That's beautiful. Um, but she goes back. She goes to Abram and Sarai, and she does have a son. Uh, and she names him Ishmael, just like the angel told her to. And he's born when Abram is 86. And the story doesn't pick back up until Ab- Abram is 99 years old, when God shows up with more promises. Well, actually, it's kind of the same promise, but made again and in more detail. Sometimes promises get renewed in, in the Bible. And this time, God doesn't just promise that Abram will be the father of a huge nation of people. He actually renames Abram. God tells him his name is now Abraham, which means father of a multitude. And he made Abraham promise that all of his male descendants would be circumcised as a sign that they followed God, which is a thing that Jewish people usually do to babies, but, um, well, to baby boys specifically. Uh, But um, in this case, they're having to circumcise the men because they didn't do it when they were babies. And um, that was their part of the deal. And God's part was to bless them and give them the land of Canaan. And God renamed Sarai too and told Abraham to call her Sarah from now on, which means princess, because God said that kings of people would come from her descendants. And Abraham fell to the ground and laughed and thought to himself, how could a hundred year old man and a 90 year old woman have a baby? And then aloud he said, if only Ishmael could be the one you chose to, to get the inheritance And God said, no, your wife, Sarah, will have a son and you'll name him Isaac. And I will confirm my covenant with him and his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I'll bless him and make him a great nation. But I'll confirm my covenant with Isaac, the covenant meaning the promise he was making. That'll be to Isaac, whom Sarah will give birth to at this time next year. And then God ascended away from Abraham back to heaven. And Abraham did the things that God commanded him to do. Then the Lord visited Abraham again. This is what happened. Abraham sitting there at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. And he looked up and he saw three men suddenly near him. Well, that's a little strange. He said, um, hey, strangers, why don't you stay a while? Wash the dust off your feet, rest in the shade over here and eat something. And they said, okay, we will do that. So he ran into the tent and he told Sarah, quickly, get the nicest flour we have and make some bread out of it. And he ran out and selected a calf and found one of his servants to prepare the calf to be food. And then he served a meal to the three men and they ate it under the tree. Where's your wife, Sarah? They asked Abraham. And I'm assuming they just knew. And he's probably got to be thinking, oh, that's interesting. They just know what my wife's name is. Is that cool or creepy? I don't know. Um, And Abraham said, she's just over there in the tent. And then the Lord the text tells us it's that that's the Lord. I don't think Abraham knows yet. He just knows it's these mysterious strangers. The Lord says, I will come back in about a year and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Now, Sarah was just at the entrance of the tent eavesdropping on the mysterious strangers, as one does. And she was old. She was nearly 90 and Abraham was nearly 100 and she laughed. Now that we're old, will I have this pleasure? She said to herself, I think it was a bit of a sad laugh. Then the Lord asked Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying to herself, can I really have a baby now that I'm old? Is anything impossible for God? I'll come back in a year and she will have a baby. And Sarah, well, she was caught. I didn't laugh. She lied because she was a bit afraid. No, you did laugh, he said. Then they walked on and there was this whole really important argument between Abraham and God about something else. And I'll get to that eventually. 
But anyway, Sarah did have a baby, and she named him Isaac, which means he laughs, saying, God has made me laugh, and everyone who hears will laugh with me. Who would have thought I'd have a son for Abraham in my old age? And I think that was a happy laugh. Well, Abraham actually already did have a son, remember? Ishmael, Hagar's son. And if you think Sarah is not going to be jealous anymore now that she's been named princess and has a baby of her own, you would be incorrect. She saw Abraham's teenage son, Ishmael. Uh, she saw him laughing. This was the kind of laughing Sarah thought was mean. And she didn't want her own son to be the co-heir with the son of a slave. Never mind that that whole thing was her idea. And insisted Abraham send him away. Abraham was really sad about the idea of sending Ishmael and Hagar away, but God told him to go ahead and send them away like Sarah wanted. So he gets up really early, early in the morning and he sends them away. He gives them like one skin of water, like one canteen full of water and like a loaf of bread. And that's what he gives them. And they're kind of in the middle of nowhere. So he sends them away from the camp where they all live. Hagar and Ishmael, Ishmael wander into the wilderness. Once the water was gone, Hagar thought they'd both die of dehydration. So she left her son Ishmael under a bush in the most shade she could find and left saying, I can't bear to watch him die. And she assumed that'd be the last time she'd see them. So she went away a little ways away and she wept loudly. She, she cried and Ishmael under his bush, he cried too. And God heard them both crying and he showed up again and he made the promise again that Ishmael would be the father of a great nation. And then God showed Hagar a well of water, so they did not die of dehydration in the wilderness. They drank from the well and survived, and God watched over the boys he grew up, and Ishmael became an archer in the wilderness. And Hagar went back to her homeland in Egypt to get a wife for him. And I'm not sure exactly, but I like to think that after decades of putting up with other people controlling her and not being able to make her own decisions even about her own body, now that Hagar left and went into the wilderness where she decided to just live with her son, that she lived happily ever after with her son, his wife, and a whole bunch of grandchildren who all loved her. That's all for today. Uh, it's kind of an interesting story. Um, you know, I don't know how to feel about it, because I think Sarah acts terribly. She also is sad, not that that makes it okay. Um, and then when she gets what she wanted, she could be happy and just have everyone be happy. She just decides to be jealous again. So I think the best part is when Hagar leaves again and God's like, okay, I'll just protect you out here in the wilderness. And that works out for them. So I like to think, I like to think she lived happily ever after, you know, into old age. Come back next week for yet another birth story. We're still not getting to Jesus. I'll actually be telling about John the Baptist, who um, it w was actually a real historical figure as far as I know, but uh, he's got a whole set of different stories in the Bible. And um, kind of an interesting, he's kind of an interesting miracle birth. We've had today, Sarah has a baby in her old age. She's like 90 and... Um, in the story next week, we'll have uh, John the Baptist's mother is actually also quite old. So uh, that'll be interesting. And that's, I, I like John the Baptist. He's interesting. Um, so that's what I'll be telling next week. And then the week after that, I'll be getting to the Jesus birth story for the week before Christmas. And then I'll take a break. So that's what's coming up. Our theme music is Wholesome by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution. Until next time, shine on, star child. Thank you.